sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, traveled to synagogues and proclaimed the word of God. On the Sabbath, when they were in Pisidian Antioch, they entered the synagogue and they sat down. After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and he said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophet that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are now his witness to our people. And we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled to us their children by raising up Jesus. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. So on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse upon him. Then Paul and Barnabas said to them boldly, We had to speak the word of the God to you first. But since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. All right, Christchurch, we are uh, in the story. Remember what we've been doing uh, this summer, at least, is walking through the story of the New Testament and uh, seeing that big story uh, that God has. And uh, last week, uh, we kind of made that transition from kind of the pinnacle moment of, uh, of the resurrection, uh, and last week answering the question of uh, what's next, right? What's next in the story? How can you get better than the resurrection? And we discovered what's next is captured here in Acts 1, uh, where he says, listen, you are going to be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, Samaria, and how far to the ends of the earth, right? Is that one big honking vision or what? I mean, just kind of capture this for a moment. Think about what he just said there, right? He's going to start in Jerusalem. He's going to go to Judea, Samaria, and ultimately how far to the ends of the earth. It's the Scripture's way, God's way of saying, listen, he is out to capture every single human heart. 
every single human heart on the face of the earth. It's an amazing vision, isn't it? And the vision starts with Jerusalem. What's next? What's next is you, God's people, are going to extend the good news about Jesus to the ends of the earth. If you, you kind of capture it, grab a map in the then-known world, right, when that was, was said, this is what, uh, what it looked like, right? And this is only a small slice of what the world is, we all know, right? Uh, think how immense that vision is. Think how incredible God's idea and story uh, is. He says it's going to start uh, over here, right, in Jerusalem, right, in this little place of Jerusalem, and then it's going to extend to Judea. This is Judea. Judea is basically kind of that, that circle around Jerusalem. Then it's going to go north into Samaria. That's kind of all this green stuff right here. That's uh, Samaria. And you should know that one of the interesting places in Samaria is, uh, Samaria is this town here called Antioch. And Antioch is one of the first towns where a really strong church uh, was established. And Antioch, the church in Antioch, became a church of influence because they became kind of the launching point for Paul's missionary journeys. What a great church, huh? Don't you hope they say that about us someday? A church of influence becomes a launching point uh, to change people's hearts and lives. That was the church in Antioch. Uh, they were in that, that region of Samaria. And then, of course, ultimately, he says, listen, it's going to reach to the ends of the earth. Now, the place in the story that we get God unfolding this, we get God doing exactly what he says here, uh, is in the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, boy, I want to encourage you, make that one of your bucket list goals, right? Read the book of Acts. If you want to see what God can do in ordinary people's lives, uh, read the book of Acts. It is absolutely extraordinary, and you need to be convinced of it. If you go into the book of Acts and you read it, it starts out chapters 1 through 8, talking basically and witnessing to the experience of God working in accomplishing this vision uh, in Jerusalem. So basically chapters 1 through 8 are about God expanding the kingdom and establishing the church uh, in Jerusalem. And then you go to chapters 8 through 12, and chapters 8 through 12 go now to Samaria, that region to the north. And one of the significant things that happens is in chapter 9, you get the conversion of this guy named Saul who becomes Paul. And then in chapters 13 and onward, it is the expansion of the church uh, really to the ends of the earth, the expansion that takes place as the good news about Jesus begins to just emanate and go out to the world. And the person that primarily accomplishes that in the book of Acts is the apostle Paul. Now, Paul has other guys with him. There's like Barnabas and Timothy and John Mark. And so there's other, other folks involved in this experience. And the book of Acts identifies, you know, other, other folks that, uh, that Paul runs into. You remember we highlighted last week that, that persecution came on the church. And so the Christians that said were spread out 
right? And they were spread out in not just Jerusalem. They went from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they got all these Christians now that are spread out, and, and God now begins collecting them together into this experience called church, into, into action communities of faith, into these witness communities in these various places. And he begins to organize them, and he uses this person named Paul. This person named Paul. And Paul becomes the most significant force in the expansion of the kingdom in this time. Now, I want you to think about what Paul accomplished. This one guy, Paul. Paul, we can go into the book of Acts and, and kind of see, surmise, that Paul, in his missionary experience, established at least... Uh, 10 churches. Now, he may have done more because he did a whole lot of preaching and teaching, but we can kind of go in the scriptures and figure out that Paul established basically uh, 10 uh, churches. And we know, depending on what scholar you listen to, that he wrote 13 or 14 books of the New Testament. Would you say Paul was a person of significant influence in the kingdom of heaven? The answer is, you bet. This guy's awesome. You know what you should also realize from that? You listen? Never underestimate what God can do with one person. Think about that. Never underestimate what God can do with one person. You see, you know what the temptation is we have. The temptation we have is to disqualify, right? To, to disqualify ourselves and say, say, somehow, you know, we just aren't capable, right? Whether it's about the whole mission and vision of expanding the church and talk to the people about Jesus and saying, well, you know, I just, I'm not really comfortable with that, right? I, I just don't think I'm really good at that. I mean, we find all kinds of reasons to disqualify ourselves. And we find reasons to disqualify ourselves in a whole bunch of ways every day in our life, right? We disqualify ourselves. Say, well, you know, I, I, I know I should be a better husband. I just don't think I got it in me. Or I know I should be a better wife. Just don't think I got it in me. I know I could be a better parent, but I, I just don't know how to do it, right? We find all kinds of reasons to disqualify ourselves. We are just good at it. You ever do jury duty? Yeah, I got called once to do jury duty. I was pumped, right? I was really pumped. I was excited to be able to serve and do that. I was all over it, right? And, and so, you know, I called in one day, and I said, oh, I'm ready to go. Do you need me? And like, yeah, no, we don't need you. Uh, shoot. Okay, you know, called in the next day. Hey, okay, you need me? No, we don't need you. Don't come. Shoot. Finally, the last day, called in. They said, yes, come to the courthouse. Oh, this is exciting, right? Show up at the courthouse. There's a whole pool of people there. Uh, one of the other folks that was there was kind of fun. I knew her, and, and uh, she is a uh, U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals judge. And so we got to sit down and talk about life together and everything, and we both knew we were never going to be on a jury, but we had a great time, you know, talking together about it, right? But here's the other thing I noticed. Do you ever notice how good people are at disqualifying themselves at jury duty? You know, I think that guy over there in the uh, orange suit, yeah, he looks really guilty. Okay, 
<laughs> you know? Yes, I think every arrest the police officer ever makes is a good arrest, and anybody that's arrested should be thrown in jail for life. Okay. Right? I mean, we come up with all kinds of reasons to disqualify, right? It's just part of our nature. Now, it's not alone to us. There was this guy named Moses. God said, Moses, you are going to go down, and through you, one person, I am going to free my people from slavery. And what did Moses say? Yeah, no, I'm not qualified. Don't speak well. Not really sure I'm up to it. Gideon. Gideon, I am going to use you in a mighty way to free my people. I'm going to use you in a mighty way to establish my kingdom. Yeah, no, I'm down here threshing in this trench so people don't see me and the Philistines don't know I'm even around, so I'd really like not to do that, and I'm not really qualified. Here's the big thing you need to get today. When you think about Paul, when you think about all these people that God has used from generation to generation, God always qualifies the unqualified. God always qualifies the unqualified. You see, you may look at yourself and you may think to yourself, I'm just not qualified. But when you let Jesus Christ invade your life and you start living his way, empowered by his spirit, your life becomes qualified. And through you, one person, you can change the course of the kingdom of heaven in somebody's life. Never underestimate what God can do through you, one person, when he qualifies you. And we see it all over in the early church. Remember last week, we looked when, when Peter and John were arrested, and they're in front of the, uh, the, the leaders, right, the Jewish council. And the Jewish council looks at them and says, well, these guys are just ordinary men with no special training in the Scripture. How in the world could they do what they do? But they couldn't deny that they healed somebody. They couldn't deny that God used them in a powerful way to heal somebody and transform somebody's life. Same way with Paul. Paul, before Jesus invaded his life on the road to Damascus, Paul was Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of the church. He prided himself in his persecution of the church. We know in Acts 7 that Paul was the guy standing there holding everybody's coats while they stoned the first martyr for the cause of the kingdom of heaven, Stephen. And Saul willingly excitedly participated in the murder of Stephen. Put yourself on the interview panel with Paul, and you're recruiting him for this great vision of being that one person who goes out there and extends the kingdom of heaven and the gospel of Jesus Christ into the Gentile world. Uh, tell me, Paul, tell me about your work history, Paul. Well, I've been really good at persecuting the church, uh, been really successful, uh, and in fact, uh, helped kill a guy. Okay, well, good. Uh, tell me, Paul, uh, how much have you traveled the Roman world? Well, I was born in Tarsus. I'm a Roman, Roman citizen, but I came to Jerusalem because, you know, Jerusalem's where it's really at, and so I really spent all my time here. Um, can't really tell you I've seen much of the world. Okay, well, 
Paul, tell me about your public speaking experience, especially your ability to communicate to the Gentiles. Yeah, well, I kind of spent all my time arguing with the Pharisees about the law. I mean, I'm kind of Old Testament focused, and, and that's really kind of all I know is the Old Testament. And I'm really good, though, at arguing with folks that are Jewish about the law. Gentile folks don't really get into them so much. Well, tell me, Paul, what other skills do you bring to the table for this task? Well, I'm a really good tent maker. I make really darn good tents. You see, on all human standards, Paul would be absolutely what? Disqualified. And yet he is the one person that God chooses. And he doesn't even have the physical kind of appearance of being this, this kind of powerful, you know, uh, Chris, what's, what's the Thor guy's name? Come on, all you ladies know him, right? Don't you? Chris Kelsworthy? Yeah, that guy, right? I mean, he doesn't look like Thor. He doesn't look like that guy, right? He doesn't have the Brad Pitt thing going. Here's a second century description, a physical description of Paul. He's a man of small stature with a bald head and crooked legs. In good state of body, I'm not so sure he's got a bald head and crooked legs, but in good state of body, with eyebrows meeting, what do we call that? <laughs> right, love that. And a nose somewhat hooked, but he's really a friendly guy. Right? Yeah, my definition of Paul is the bottom. I think he's like Jason Bourne and Billy Graham put together. Right? This is just one dynamic, awesome guy. But he's totally disqualified and not what you would choose. Paul even looks at himself that way. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He looks at himself as disqualified. You see, that's my first question for you today. How often do you look at yourself as disqualified? How often do you concentrate so much on your brokenness, on your failure, on your sin? How much do you beat yourself up that all you can see is what a miserable person I am? I'm really not qualified. And the good news the good news Paul understood is that we become qualified, not because of ourselves, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Not about what we do for ourselves, but because of what Jesus can, did, and will accomplish in our lives when we surrender to him. Paul says, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Does he understand he's not qualified? And yet look what he says. But whatever I am now, 
Whatever I am now, as I am the point man for expanding the kingdom of heaven into the Gentile world, whatever I am now, as I am the guy out there on the edge of the ledge advancing the gospel every single day and telling every person I can about Jesus, as I'm out there risking everything all the time for the sake of the gospel, whatever I am right now is all because God poured out his special favor on me. That's who I am. That's who I am now. I was unqualified, but because God invaded my life, this is who I am now. And when God invaded my life, he made me qualified. How do I know? And all this has happened not without results. You see, when we surrender, when we let Jesus Christ take over our lives, when we let the Holy Spirit invade and we rely on the Word and we rely on the Spirit, and when we go with the promptings and the leading where God wants our life to go and we let go of our unqualified self, God is able to accomplish things we can't dream or imagine. Do you think Paul ever dreamed that he would advance the gospel and establish 10 churches and write 13 or 14 books in the New Testament, that he would become the point man to extend the kingdom of heaven into your life. And that's exactly what God had in mind. That was the story that God was ready to write for Paul. You may think yourself unqualified, but God makes you qualified when you surrender and let the power of Jesus Christ invade and take over your life. It means you may think you're unqualified. You may think you're going to live an unqualified life, but when you let Jesus take over, you're going to live a qualified life that does extraordinary things. Paul says, or the book of Acts, this is the promise that Jesus made to his followers, right? Before he left, we looked at it last week. It's the promise he made to his followers. But you will receive power. I love it when he says you will, right? He doesn't say, well, you know, if it's a good day and the sun is shining and you feel like it, you could possibly. No, he just says what? You, you will. You will. You will receive power. You're going to get qualified you're going to receive the influence of the Holy Spirit. I am going to invade your life. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when that happens, your life is going to change. It's going to transition. It's going to become about something bigger than yourself. And you are going to be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You're going to be part of the story. Just like Paul not because of yourself, but because of what Jesus Christ did and can do and will do in your life. Paul says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of recon reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. What did you say? That's who we are. That's who God declares us. You're no longer the unqualified, right? When you receive Christ, you, you're no longer what you were. 
You see, it's not what you were 10 years ago. It's not what you were 10 months ago. It's not what you were 10 weeks ago. It's not what you were 10 hours ago. It is who God says you are today. When he invades your life, he says, this is who you are now. And who you are is qualified. You are Christ's ambassadors, and God is going to use you to reach the ends of the earth and make his appeal to another human heart through you. Now, here's the struggle. You may be trying to convince yourself way too often that you are unqualified. And some of you, some of you may have other voices in your life who are trying to convince you that you are worthless, that you're just not up to any task, that you're just not any good. Boy, I want you to hear today loud and clear. It doesn't matter what anybody else says in your life. All that matters is what God says. It doesn't matter what anybody else has said about you in the past. All that matters is what God says about you today in this moment when you come to this table and he says you are his and you are forgiven and you're his ambassador and he's ready to empower your life to new heights. See, they tried it in the early church too. Some, uh, some followers showed up from Jerusalem who were Jews, and they tried to convince the new Gentiles that they had to get qualified in some other human way. And so they had to somehow become a Jew before they could really become a follower of Christ. And Paul and the church said, no, don't listen to those other voices. That's not the way it is. Don't listen to the other voices. All that matters is faith and who God says you are. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for who? For everyone who believes. Love the next phrase. Can you say the next phrase with me? No matter who we are. No matter who you were 10 years ago, no matter who you were 10 months ago, no matter who you were 10 weeks ago, no matter who you were 10 days ago, no matter who you were 10 hours ago, no matter who you were 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter who somebody said you were. All that matters is this moment, in this room, in this day, at this table, Jesus Christ says you're forgiven and you're his. And you have the power to change the eternity of another person. That's all that matters. It's not who people say you are. It is who God says you are. He says God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. In his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our past, from the penalty of our sins. We are his, and we are free and we are on mission. Paul says, listen, we've been made right by faith, and we have peace because of what Christ has done for us. Now look at verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place. If you got your half sheet out, you're going to want to circle, underline, highlight this phrase, the next phrase. You ready? Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Notice the next phrase. Where we now stand. Where do you stand, Christ follower? Not in a place of being unqualified. You stand in a place of undeserved privilege because you have the privilege of knowing forgiveness of Christ. You have the privilege 
of being able to talk to somebody else about the amazing love and grace found in Jesus Christ. You have the privilege of turning off all the other voices in your life and listening only to the power of God's voice who says, I know who you are. You are mine, and you're my ambassador. See what he calls us to do, what Paul understood, and what Paul accomplished as God took an unqualified guy and made him this qualified person was he brought Paul into a place of living an all-in life, right? You know that, that card game where you put the chips in and you say, I'm all in, right? You put it all on the line, right? That's it. You just put all the chips on the table and you say, this is it. I'm putting it all right here. It's all on this hand. See, that's the call that Paul understood in his life. He just put everything he was from the time Jesus invaded life, he put everything he was on faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, you may feel unqualified. You may have voices in your life saying, eh, boy, you're nothing. But all that matters is the voice of what God says and what God did and accomplished in Jesus Christ. And when you receive that voice, when you let Jesus take over, when you let the Holy Spirit invade your life, you become that one person that is powerful and fearful for the cause of the kingdom of heaven because you have the privilege of being able to name the most powerful name that's ever walked the face of the earth and talk to anybody and everybody about Jesus. Because after all, remember the great vision. The great story is from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to how far? To the ends of the earth. And we are like that church in Antioch. We are the ones that God has put in this place to extend the kingdom of heaven and help others hear another voice that calls them to an extraordinary life. Let's pray. Father, thanks that we can uh, have the privilege of being in your favorite place of faith. And uh, we ask today that we could... Uh, just turn off all the other voices that we could let go of that self-doubt that so often creeps in and we could turn off those other voices that want to draw us in another direction and instead we can just uh, listen to you and we can know today when we come to the table we can hear that voice say you're forgiven you're mine your life is in my hands now and I have great dreams for you so empower us to be qualified today. Claim us that we can be like that church in Antioch and we can influence this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray.